welcome to your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, excited to be here today. Hope you guys are as well. Got a lot to talk about today, as we often do. Chip Scoggins will join me shortly to run down, I think, four of the biggest questions in Minnesota sports right now. We're going to tackle all four of those um, in, a, in, a, in a really fun segment, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Um, going to get to the Deshaun Watson trade proposals that are starting to feel a little bit like Herschel Walker trade proposals. But first, what did I miss? Well, it's the story that, uh, that that keeps that keeps coming this week. Timberwolves make their debut under new head coach Chris Finch on a Tuesday night in Milwaukee. Guess what? It didn't go all that well. The Wolves lose one thirty nine to one twelve, basically laying bare to pretty much all of their problems right now. And again, it's one game when. In the past, when the Wolves have you know made a trade or made a made a big shakeup and gotten you know big results right away, I think last year was a good example when they made all those trade deadline moves and they went out and routed the Clippers. I have cautioned before: don't get too high. We've seen this happen before. You know, give it give it some time. Make sure this is the real deal and not just a one game mirage. So we do need to do that after the blowout loss to Milwaukee. It is just one game. They're still figuring out. How they're going to play under Chris Finch, they're still, you know, it's it's kind of a shock to the system. I mean, 48 hours before tip-off of that game, they were playing the Knicks in New York, and Ryan Saunders was still their head coach. That said, all the problems of the roster, and, you know, and in some cases, the mismatch between the roster and the style they want to play were laid bare. Giannis just ran through them, and he does that to a lot of teams, but they have nobody that is physically able to stop Giannis. And that's the thing that, that, that Finch noticed right away, the lack of physicality on this team. He said that in his post-game remarks, that they just don't have anybody that can stand up to anybody physically, uh, at least nobody that's really in the current rotation. So, so you got that problem. But the bigger thing is the way the Wolves want to play doesn't match the roster that they have, right? And I think you saw more of the way they play, more more of the way they want to play uh, with with Chris Finch in in the mix, I think Alan Horton, the radio guy for the Timberwolves, does a great job. Had a tweet after the game: the Chris Finch effect, pace, 106 possessions, third highest of the season, three pointers, 54 three pointers attempted, franchise record. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points, 11 assists, creating 57 points. A lot of those assists led to threes. Obviously, that is a season. High. All of those, or I, I should say, the, the the town's mark is definitely positive, right? Because going in, I think what you know, what I even talked about on Tuesday's podcast was how this, how you could see this becoming Cat's team again. That that they were going to play through him. That there was going to be no question that this is his team. That that they want to do that on offense. And I think you saw that the beginnings of that on Tuesday. So I think that's positive. Um, I don't even think shooting that many threes is a bad idea if you have a team that can shoot three-pointers. Timberwolves are 20th in the league this season in three-point efficiency, a little over 35%. That is below the league average. They take 54. They only make 19 last night. That's uh, you know right around, their, right around their season average of 35%. It's not terrible, but you can't win that way. Especially when you're doing it, you know, creating 106 possessions. Because guess what? Here's the real problem with playing fast when you're not a very good team and you don't shoot three pointers very well. The other team gets a lot of possessions, and that's how Milwaukee gets 139 points 
and they wind up making 20 of their 42 three-pointers. Yeah, they tried 12 fewer threes. They made one more three than the Timberwolves did in that game. So to me, the real problem is that the roster doesn't match the way they want to play. And again, it's still under construction. They're still trying to get in more and more of the types of players they want. D'Angelo Russell, whenever he gets healthy, that will help the three-point shooting to a degree. The Malik Beasley signing certainly helped that. Having Cat healthy, you know, now again will help that. But it still remains a fact that inside strength and three-point shooting were deficiencies when Gerson Rosas took over this job as president almost two years ago, and they remain deficiencies right now. And you can't play the way they want to play if you don't have those two things. You know, you can hire any coach you want. They've, t- they've certainly hired 10 of them in the last 15 years, tried 10 of them in the last 15 years. Until you get the personnel in place to play the way you want to play, no coach is going to make that much of a difference. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined right now by Star Tribune columnist Chip Scoggins. Um, Chip, a lot of stuff going on in Minnesota sports. I don't... uh, when we when we booked this originally, I don't think we'd be t- didn't I don't think we thought we'd be talking about right off the bat um, the Wolves making a coaching change, but that's not all we're going to talk about today. We want to run down kind of the the biggest questions in Minnesota sports right now. We'll hit hit some Vikings stuff, some Twin stuff, and some Gophers basketball stuff. But we do need to to lead off right now with the Timberwolves, who made a, a major shakeup, firing. Um, Ryan Saunders as head coach Sunday, making it official Monday morning that they had hired Chris Finch for the rest of this season and beyond. Um, first of all, Chip, uh, your, your, your gut reaction to the move and, and what you think it means contextually. Well, I was not surprised. I did not think Ryan would be kept after this year, this year. I thought they would give him through the, the entire season just because we haven't seen Towns and Russell play together at all. What five games, Mike? Five, yeah. Um, and so I thought there would be as much as Ryan looks over looked overmatched by the job and just wasn't happening. Um, wasn't ready. The team was floundering. I thought they would say, okay, let's at least let him have Towns and Russell together for however many games. And then I didn't think he would change much. I think they would still be in the market for a new coach. Um, so the timing surprised me. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, I thought it was very low class. Um to hire an assistant off another team. Have you ever, has that ever happened before? Have you ever seen that? I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm it's, sure it's happened somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Thought yeah. if you're going to, if, if you're going to make a change, let David Vanderpool coach the team the rest of the year that Chris Finch was still going to be there. Nobody was going to hire him this year. So I, I think it shows that there was some scheming going on behind the scenes. Um, this wasn't like he fired Ryan and then picked up the phone and said, Hey, Chris, you want to coach? No. <laughs> Yeah. Talk about this, I would say at a minimum for a week and they'll, they can spin it however they want, but this has clearly been something that's been in the works because you just don't do this at the snap of a finger. So I thought that was not a very classy move by Gerson. Um, guess what? You're on the clock, Gerson. Yeah. Think about this, Mike. They hired him in May of 2019. Uh, yeah. So we're not even two years into this and this franchise, the front office is all different. The roster is all different. The coaching staff that you, the coach that you hired at the time. Now, whether you could say Glenn Taylor made him hire him or whatever, you still signed off on it. Um, so, 
everything about this now is is Gerson's. Um, it's on him, and so. Yeah. And that's the biggest question. That's that's kind of question number one I wanted to get to in this kind of rundown is, is his vision the correct one? And is this going to work here? Because you, you kind of got all the, the pieces he wanted now. You, you went and got D'Angelo Russell. You had to pay a lot to do it, including what could end up being a pretty valuable draft pick this year. You got your hand-picked coach. You've remade the roster. You, you're playing the style he wants to play. Will this work? Does it ever work with this franchise? Occasionally. <laughs> I will say this. If they somehow get into that top three pick, I'm taking a point guard, and I would I would move uh, Russell. I, I he just I mean I know he scores a lot, but he, he plays no defense. Um, I, I think I would I would move him and, and and you know try to get a point guard. There must have been a there must have been a reason that Russell or that uh, that Ro, that Rosas is so enamored with him though. He must see something in the way he wants the offense to function to make him think that Russell and Towns together is going to get it done. But you're right. We, well, we haven't seen, I mean, we haven't seen evidence of it because they've only been on a court for five games together. So mm-hmm. we still need that, that prove it, but it, it, what, what we've seen of Russell has been underwhelming. Well, what did he see in Ricky Rubio to bring him back at $17 million? I, I mean, mean Rubio that- was, Oh, he was better, you know, in, in different places, but he's, he's not been good here. He's been a little it's, bit better been- since he's been starting, but I, I think it's been a disaster, to be honest with you. And yeah. His his best that, his best moves so far seem to be kind of the fringe moves, not the home runs. Correct. Yeah. So this is um I think the the clock it started in 2019, but I think it absolutely starts now. And and Towns came out after the game Sunday night. And I don't know what the question was. It was, it was just about the game or whatever. He started talking about legacy and he wants to build a legacy here and he's loyal and this is where he wants to be. Let's see if that happens. You yeah. know. Because eventually in this league, when guys get sick of losing, they want to go somewhere else. And so I, I feel like the clock is starting to tick faster for him too. Because, Mike, how many years are they going to waste of his talent? Yeah. And, and that's where you feel like you're just wasting. Uh, now, he has to take some ownership of that too, Towns. And yeah. he has been better defensively. And, and, you know, I wrote early before the season started, that he was the worst defensive center by those metrics before the season. I think he's been better this year. Yeah. He's played a lot. But um, this is about, to me, Gerson and, and Cat. And, yeah. and you have to get this thing going quickly. Yeah, 100%. Well, I want to hit on a few other subjects here. We've talked a lot of Wolves on this podcast the last couple of days. So let's let's move to Twins because, you know, we're going to get some some spring training games here in a few days. We see what the roster is. We, we know the 0-18 uh, playoff streak. Yeah. Um, you've written a little bit about this already this year. I guess the, the question on everybody's mind is, you know, a can they get back to the playoffs? I think they can. I think that's not a that's not a hard yeah. that's not a heavy lift with this roster. You still know kind of what you got. The bigger question is: Is this going to be any different once you get to October? Assuming you get in the playoffs, I think they're at that situation, Mike. Until you show you can win a playoff game, how in the world are you going to pick this team to do anything in the playoffs when you have that streak? And I and I do think, I know going into last. Uh, year they said oh that that's someone else's history that's not our history but guess what you get asked about it and you carry it around it, it's part of your fabric yeah. now that they've won now that they've lost five of those games that's part of their yeah, history it's part of your history and so whether they can add you know during the season a you know if, if my can come back and be uh, come close to duplicating what he did he's your ace and i think you would say that he's an ace right he needs to do it again two years in a row to say that this guy is a a, a true ace right yeah um it would be nice to find someone that's in that Barrios category. So it's like a 
two, three, and not just a veteran that you plug in and say, okay, he's a solid five, you know? Right. right. Um, I don't know. I, the bullpen is intriguing on paper, but how good is it going to be? You might need to add somebody there, depending on how that, that group holds up. I think the lineup will – I think they'll play better because if they're healthy. I mean, I think the injuries and in and out and just the, the, the absurdity of how weird that year last year. I'm, I'm a little bit um, willing to give a pass on the, on the hitting last year because it just wasn't good, right? No. So I think, the, I think the lineup will be good. I think it will be productive. Uh, but I, I still think they're one starting pitcher away from being a legitimate, okay, this team could maybe win. More than win a game, but be legit yeah. in, in the postseason. Although winning a game would be a nice start. And I, I think I'm, gonna, be a I'm, start. I'm yeah. on the same, I'm on the same, I'm in the same boat with you. I think one starting pitcher would make a, a huge difference. And that's not a move you have to make in February. That can be a move you make in July, or it could even be, you know, someone's lighting it up in the minor leagues and all of a sudden you, you bring him up and he he becomes that guy. We've seen that with with some teams, but it's a lot of hoping and, and, and waiting at that point. I think the one thing that's intriguing to me about this team is that they seem like they're going to have better balance because I think they're going to be at least mm-hmm. an average defensive team. You, you've got, you know, Dalton Simmons making shortstop a lot better. You, you slide Polanco to second. If you get a healthy year of Josh Donaldson, if you get a healthy year of Byron Buxton, mm-hmm. if you get Jeffers splitting duty behind the plate, you've got the, you get the potential for some pretty good defensive spots that you haven't had in recent years. Oh, I think, I think, if, if all those guys you're saying are healthy, if, if Donaldson and Buxton in particular, I think they're going to be a lot better defensively. I mean, I, I think the, the Simmons move, because you fixed two areas there, um, I, th- I think uh, he makes them exponentially better. So I, I think defensively you're going to be better. I think the hitting will be better. Um, so I think this, I mean, to me, it's a flip a coin with them in Chicago in the division. Um, I think yeah. they'll probably have to the wire. But it's it's the one thing we can't factor in is how much does that – that 0 and 18 way on you mentally. And, you know, are you squeezing the bat uh, sawdust out of it because you're feeling the pressure of finally getting over that hump? I don't think you can discredit how much that affects the team. I, I really think, because it's, hey, what's going to be, what's going to be the narrative when, you know, if and when they get into the playoffs, that's going to be the talker. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you know, assuming there are some fans in the stands this year, if they got to October, you would, you would, there would be that tension at Target Field whenever they were playing oh. a playoff game. It'd be like waiting 100%. for the worst to happen, not hoping for the best to happen. Yeah. I mean, you can feel the nervous tension in it when something like that is, is hanging over me. And so, um, you know, that's where, you know, you hope your veteran lineup, but their veterans just, um, you know, they didn't play well in that Houston series. And, no. and, and we talked about, you know, the, the, the home runs and everything is fun and it's, you know, a great, storyline all that but as we saw in the houston you have to have a plan b they have to have another way to win and they didn't have it last year 100 percent. let's jump around to two more topics number one go for men's basketball they play thursday they've got a few more regular season games in which to try to impress uh the ncaa tournament committee and for richard patino to try to impress uh that, that he's done a good job here what, what do you see with this program are there major things afoot or, or do you think they get into the tournament and kind of and level this thing off at a certain degree? Well, after the bad loss Saturday, the bracketologists still have them as one of the, the last four. Yes. So they still see them as a, as a, uh, a tournament team, even though they haven't won on the road and they've had some really lopsided losses and they looked, they were just so completely uncompetitive against Illinois. Um, and now they're beat up. And the thing is they have four, regular season games left, but they're not, you know, it's what 
Penn State and Northwestern and Rutgers. So it's not they don't have that chance to knock off a, a marquee opponent. So I guess I guess they'll still be as, as long as they you know don't lose it with to one of these teams that it's a bad loss. They can't afford a bad loss right now. Yeah. Um, so I assume they'll still be a tournament team, but is that going to be enough for Mark Cole to say this program's going in the right direction? I don't know. I, he's not going to tip his hand. That's, you know, Mark Cole stays in the background. Um, you don't know how much the effect of the pandemic would affect the buyout and do they have the money to do it or, um, you know, or is he just at a point where he feels like this program's spinning its wheels a little bit? Because uh, this is these late season slides happen a lot. They do. This is not just the first time it's happened, and so uh, I, I tend to supported Patino probably more than the average fan because I I don't think you can just discount how well they played against Michigan or, or Ohio State. I mean, those teams are you know really good teams, Final Four caliber teams, and the Gophers. And they didn't catch him on an off day or whatever. They just took it to him and outplayed him. And so to say that there's been no good, I don't think is accurate. They've beaten five ranked, five ranked teams. And so the lack of consistency and just the ups and downs and ebbs and dramatic swings um, in performance what you've seen, seen from this team, that, that to me is the most frustrating thing. We've seen a lot of off-season quarterback movement already in the NFL. We saw the big Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade a couple of weeks ago. We saw the Carson Wentz trade last week. If you are the Minnesota Vikings, which you're not, you're Chip Scoggins, <laughs> but if you are the Minnesota Vikings, you're Rick Spielman, you're sitting there, you've got two more years of Kirk Cousins under contract, but you also have a roster that's getting a little bit older. You've got a defense that probably needs some, not just better health, but some retooling. Are you intrigued at least by, by considering a trade market with, with Kirk Cousins? I think you're not doing your job if you don't call Houston and see what it take to get Deshaun Watson. I don't know how the, where the Wills are yet, but this feels like, Mike, to me, a make-or-break type yeah. season for, for the Spielman-Zimmer regime. Yeah, it feels that way to me. If they don't make the playoffs, I would not be shocked if you have a, a complete change, right? And so if you're those two individuals, do you want to – now, if you get Deshaun Watson, I think you do it, because I, but at what cost? But um, short of not getting him and you're just trading somebody, would you want to have a young quarterback when you feel like you have to have a big season like this to, to continue forward? I, if I'm them, I, I think they're probably content with, you know what, we know what Cousins is. He had a good year. You bring all those people back, all the – you know key players back. If we can just fix the defense, I, th I think that's probably what their mindset is right now. Cause I don't think they can go through, this is not, a, they're not in a situation and I, it wouldn't be a rebuild if you brought in a, a new quarterback, but it, it would be uh, a change in any kind of change. You, you're not sure what you're going to get. So I, I think they'd be more inclined to say, no, let's just roll, you know, come back with what we have. Is that more out of self-preservation than it is out of the best idea at that point? It, there probably is some self-preservation going on. Um, and I, I think in Zimmer's mind, because everything he said this offseason is, I love this offense. You know, whatever they did last year, it's the right thing to do. Run it back. It's a defense. Run it, you know, fix the defense, and then we'll be fine. Um, I don't know if it's as simple as that, because I think the offense is – it wasn't a top-10 scoring offense, so you can't say it's a great offense. They, it, was, they it was an efficient offense. It was certainly better than the It defense. was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty good. I'd say we'll, we'll say it was pretty good, but it wasn't great because you weren't top-10 scoring. And so to think that everything is just okay with the offense, I don't agree with that the defense was a disaster. So they do have to fix that. So I think it's a combination of 
their belief that the offense has the, the components to be good. And if they can fix that defense, that makes them another playoff team. So it might be a little bit of both self-preservation and the belief that, Hey, if we can just shore up the defense, we're right back in the mix to contend for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think you're right. I think ultimately the, the place they're at, even though if they were at a different place in this regime, I feel like a trade this offseason might make a, a little bit more sense uh, because it does, you know, you can make it work salary wise. And maybe you've kind of seen what your ceiling is with, with Kirk Cousins. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know if your ceiling is Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins, it certainly doesn't seem that way based on what we saw, especially in 18 and 19. But no, I don't, I don't, I don't think the ceiling is Super Bowl. Um, but I don't think they're in a position where they want to find out what a new quarterback can do either. Chip, great stuff. Um, lots of stuff going on, even though it's the <laughs> middle of February. Uh, we'll have you back on uh, later on to, to talk about, you know, all the evolving sports uh, topics in Minnesota. Chip does a great job. Uh, columnist, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Read his stuff. Follow him, him on Twitter. And Chip, thanks for joining me today on the Daily Delivery Podcast. Thanks, Mikey. On the subject of that last thing that Chip Scoggins and I talked about, yes, you just heard the little jingle that means I feel like a trade machine. On that subject of the Vikings possible thinking about trading Kirk Cousins, we need to bring up the trade proposal that Peter King brought up in his Football Morning in America column this week. Because, guys, I'm starting to feel like any proposed Deshaun Watson trade is starting to feel a little bit like a Herschel Walker trade. And that's not a good thing if you're a Vikings fan. It's a great thing if you are a fan of a team in Texas, such as the Dallas Cowboys for the real Herschel Walker trade, or perhaps the Houston Texans in any Deshaun Watson trade. And and look, I get it. Deshaun Watson's a really good quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. Um, He's not Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, Um, but he's really good. Um, He's he's got the potential and already has shown that he is a, a top eight quarterback at least. I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't know if he's a top three or top five quarterback, which scares me a little bit. But anyway, my thoughts about his value aside, the value the others assigning to him is kind of blowing my mind. So here's Peter King's proposal on how he would manufacture a three-team trade. And, and again, he only lists a, a handful of teams in, in the trade market, the trade sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson. So interesting that he, he does get the Vikings into the mix pretty quickly. So here's here's his proposal. I'm just going to read it verbatim because uh, you know trying to paraphrase this this level of uh this level of of trade is, is is too hard. So okay, Peter King's proposal. Vikings send quarterback Kirk Cousins to San Francisco. The Niners send Jimmy Garoppolo to Houston if he'd waive his no trade clause. The Texans send Deshaun Watson to Minnesota. In return, the Niners send their first round pick in 2021 to Houston and they're out. So so San Francisco would be trading Garoppolo and a one to Houston and getting Cousins with two years left on his contract. The Vikings would send Anthony Barr, running back Alexander Madison, plus their first-round picks in 2021 and 2023 and second-round picks in 2022 and 2023 in exchange for Watson. Okay, so ultimately Houston gets Garoppolo, two number ones this year, a number one in 2023, and two second-round picks. And one of those number one picks uh, in 2021 coming from San Francisco. So overall, the Vikings are giving up. Kirk Cousins, a a pretty good quarterback, you know, in a lower tier than Deshaun Watson, even if, you know, certain metrics can show 
Kirk Cousins, you know, is his equal or maybe even better in certain circumstances, you'd rather have Deshaun Watson. I don't know he's going to argue that. Deshaun Watson has a better chance to get you to the Super Bowl, franchise quarterback possibility, no doubt. But you're giving up Kirk Cousins, who's a pretty good quarterback. You're giving up Anthony Barr, who is, you know, kind of a centerpiece of your defense when he's healthy. A guy Mike Zimmer really, really likes. Don't think Mike Zimmer is crazy about the idea of subtracting from the defense, not adding to it. But you're giving away Anthony Barr. Maybe that helps a little bit salary cap-wise, but you're giving away a really good defensive player. You're trading Alexander Madison, who is kind of your security blanket at running back, a very good cost-controlled backup running back. You're giving up two first-round picks and two second-round picks, all of that for Deshaun Watson. Now, of course, the real Herschel Walker trade involved three first-round picks and three second-round picks, not two of each, and did, in- did, did involve the acquisition of a running back, not a quarterback, different eras. So nothing will ever truly, truly compare to the Herschel Walker trade. But it is starting to you are starting to wonder, like, this is getting to be a, a lot, and it's the annoying part of the trade speculation season, right, where everybody's kind of posturing, um, you know, Houston in one, you know, one sense is planting stories, I'm sure, where, you know, the GM the other day is saying, you know, we don't we don't intend to trade Deshaun Watson all the while. They're also, you know, creating these kind of markets for him by planting stories other places and, you know, trying to pump up his trade value. So we're in the annoying part of, of any phase of a, of a potential trade. Um, the fact that this keeps getting talked about so much, especially by someone like Peter King, leads me to believe that there's certainly some some fire where where there is this smoke. But what is it? How much? Where where are you left now after that? You, you don't have a couple first round picks. You don't have a couple second round picks. The cap, maybe you get a little help if you do the bar part of the trade. But but you're also out. You know, if you're trying to fix the defense, if you think the defense is the thing that really needs to be helped, all of a sudden you don't have a premium pick. Um, in a bunch of these drafts, a bunch of premium picks, and you don't have you know your 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 star linebacker uh, in the mix anymore, and you're out of, and you're out of running back, and you're out of quarterback. Who you know, I think if we're being honest, you you would probably you wouldn't mind getting out from underneath with those last two years of the contract. The money works. You don't got to worry about the money in this case uh, with the Deshaun Watson trade. We've talked through that. The money all works. It's just the amount you're giving up. You know. Kirk Cousins, Anthony Barr, Alexander Madison, two first-round picks and two second-round picks. I don't know. As as famous philosopher and, and football coach Tim Brewster used to say, if you want to get some, you better bring some. Um, but that's a lot to bring for, for Deshaun Watson, a quarterback who I like, but I don't know if he's quite in that tier where you just unload the truck and do anything you have to do to get him. Hit me with a hot one. So all the shakeup with the Wolves in the last few days, um, which started with Ryan Saunders getting fired right after a loss to the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, their new coach and formerly the president of basketball operations and head coach of the Timberwolves, reminded me of this uh, this take from uh, from Jibber Jabber a few days ago that he sent me. This isn't much of a take, he says, because it's become painfully obvious, but when the Rockets offered four first-round picks for Jimmy Butler, the Wolves should have taken it. I've always been on the kind of on the fence on this one because for as bad as Houston is right now, and I think those picks would have been, you know, they would they'd have had to stagger those picks. I, I can't, he can't do them in consecutive years. So it would have been like 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027 or something like that. So, you know, that that's hard to uh, hard to think about in those in in that context. 
And Thibodeau was never going to do that because he realized that he wasn't going to be around probably for you know much or all of that, certainly, uh, to, to see those picks convey. But the part I struggle with with that is if the Rockets had Jimmy Butler, I don't think they'd be nearly as bad as they are right now at 11 and 18. I don't think they would have given up on this path they're on. It's possible they would have at some point, and those picks would have become more valuable. But if you have a Jimmy Butler on your team and you keep James Harden on that team, you're probably going to be a playoff team every year, and those picks are going to be in the high teens at, at, at best and maybe in the 20s. So I don't know how valuable those picks ultimately would have been. So I'm going to say probably should have taken that. First-round picks have value no matter what. But in the end of in the end of the day, I don't know if, if that would have been as great of a move as everybody thinks it would have been. Let's end with the cooler. We got to talk about Tiger Woods, even though I don't exactly know what to say other than his car accident on Tuesday sounds awful. What we're hearing about the injuries to his legs, you know, open fractures, comminuted, which means the bone is broken, according to ESPN, into more than two pieces. An open break means there's a break in the skin. I mean, there's fibula, tibia. It sounds just terrible. You know, I'm sure we'll find out more about what happened in the crash in weeks to come. I guess the you know the sporting context doesn't really matter right now. We can we can talk about his legacy at a certain point when we know more about what kind of recovery he might make. But just just for now, it just it sounds so awful. And I I, I guess my only big thought is hoping for a, a recovery, which sounds very you know bland. But that's all we can do right now, right? It, it it sounds so bad that all you can do is hope for the fullest possible recovery. That will do it for today. Brock Vereen. Former Gophers defensive back will be on Thursday's show. This is around the time the NFL scouting combine normally would be. Instead, it's a lot of virtual stuff this year, but Brock is going to take us through the NFL combine and draft process from his perspective. He went through it seven years ago. What is that process like? What do you learn? And you know, what are the what are the highs and lows of being a prospect trying to get drafted? So that's a, that'll be a really fun show on Thursday. I think Chris Hine will be with us on Friday and a lot of good stuff coming up next week as well. Listen to uh, listen to this podcast uh, as much as possible. Please subscribe, write a review, and we'll do this all again tomorrow. Thanks for listening today to the Daily Delivery Podcast. 